Hello, everyone. Welcome to BEM Marketing Congress 2023, the Rethink Edition. Today, we have Victoria Hirth and Samira Brophy with us today. And I'll have you both just introduce yourselves to the audience. And we'll start with Samira. If you can just talk about what you came here to speak about today. Sure thing. Hi, everyone. Samira Brophy. Thanks for the lovely introduction. I am a senior director of creative excellence at Ipsos and I'm based in London. So my role basically is to help organizations improve their marketing from an effectiveness standpoint. But my talk here today was basically about making better sustainability advertising because a lot of it that gets put out is some mix of box ticking to bland and it serves no purpose whatsoever in that guise because it doesn't really sell the good life to people and what uh, a more sustainable future could potentially look like because it doesn't do it effectively and it just washes over people and turns into wallpaper um, and so my talk was about thinking about how you actually do it properly obviously I came at, came at it from an effectiveness perspective, um, but, you know, with the foundations, assuming the foundations are there, and obviously, Victoria, you went 10 steps, <laughs> 10 <laughs> levels deeper all the way to the boiling core of, of what needs to happen. That's such a great way, the boiling core, I'll have to use that, thank you. <laughs> so, Victoria, so tell us how you help guide uh, companies make greater impact in a various amount of ways through the well-being economy, I heard, right? Yeah, well, a well-being economy uh, driven by purpose-driven organizations that operationalize that well-being economy and, uh, and powered fundamentally by meaningful work and lives. So people who uh, can be fully human, because to be f fully human is to have a meaningful life, and to have a meaningful life means to have a purpose that is focused on the good of another. So being in service to the good of another is the essence of a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. And if we feel that our actions do that, then we're supercharged to, to deliver on a level that, that we're not otherwise. Um, and so that's, that's the fuel at the center, but that fuel has been repressed in our current system. Purpose-driven organizations harness that fuel and point it through an organizational structure in order to optimize an outcome for the long-term well-being of everyone, in other words, sustainability. So where you have purpose-driven organizations, you can make an economy that delivers for well-being for everyone forever a reality, um, and it's a, a beautiful, virtuous circle. And what we have at the moment is a system that does the opposite, that assumes that if we all act in our own financial self-interest, that somehow the magic of how the market somehow works will just result in our collective long-term well-being. And now we know after uh, many decades of experimentation that the exact opposite has resulted. Yeah, so then they, they act as if the purpose is coming through, but that ends up in these this kind of, we call it banner blindness in digital, of course, but it's just a, a vast pool of sameness and of emptiness because the purpose is not there and it's not echoing through the organization, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Essentially, we've set up society's innovation nerve center to extract as much financial capital from society as possible. How can that ever end in something good? <laughs> I mean, I think even 
Cousinitz. I mean, when we even suggested that uh, it was Cousinitz that put forward the idea of GDP as a measure of success, you know, he even said, but that is a ridiculous measure of success on its own. It's one indicator. Um, but we just went in hook, line and sinker. And unfortunately, it's not just that we have suboptimal levels of well-being as a result of this kind of suboptimal innovation. We actually are about to go over a cliff where humanity will never have the option of that well-being again. You know, we are at existential threat to humanity endgame right, right. <laughs> and we're not even bringing it into our decision making now it's almost like oh well it's not feasible or it's not I'm like well that's the real feasible when's that going to start entering the decisions and what, one of the points I raised was that there is no business on a dead planet because the, as you said I think the market economy is basically set up to infinitely add value in a very financial way or sort of a very material way and we have a finite set of resources on the planet. So kind of changing what that value actually is makes that value add a lot more kind of achievable and sustainable for the long term. And 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 I, I really like the point you made in your in your talk about kind of kind of shaking the stick for regulation because the thing is it's I see, I see this with a lot of marketers they're like oh let's let's use sustainability as a way to drive short-term profit and I'm like you know what every single study that we do shows that sustainability first of all you know to a basic consumer shopping for soap uh, is, a, is a co-benefit so do not utilize this as a short-term profit driver because every study we've done shows that at price parity you know your your competitive advantage is wiped out so please remove those short-term focus glasses because that's not what it's about it's about protecting yourself your market your way of doing business in the long term and kind of having a, a slightly more uh, long-term focus in terms of what you do because markets consumers and eventually regulation will move you there over a over a course of time i wish it was happening more quickly um, but it sounds like there are developments afoot there are but they are not fast enough and they're being held back by the people who think that they're getting in the way of their business when actually their businesses are going to fail if they if regulation doesn't go quicker um but ultimately we're we're going to drown in red tape because we've set up an economy and a motivation for business which is working against society and so it creates these tensions and all we're doing is trying to plug all the holes with this legislation we're never going to get there like just take marketing we have a whole raft of marketing legislation but you cannot legislate for the brain print of marketing you can't legislate for the effect that marketing has on saying oh you have this fundamental need well, if you buy this product, it will be solved. You know, how can you, uh, we will never get the legislation to do that. And this is why we desperately need to set up, where we do need legislation, is to set up the governance system to say that organizations must be purpose-driven. They must exist for a reason that actually is in service of long-term well-being for all. They need to prove that their purpose does that and justify it. And they need to prove that they're operating that purpose within these healthy thresholds, that they're not asset-stripping society. If we get that governance structure of organizations, so, and that well-being economy that happens at the whole economy level, but, and, and at the company law level, then you can get rid of loads of bureaucracy. 
because ultimately the rest is strategy, right? If we are clear that the objective is aligned to a sustainable future, the parameters of decision-making are aligned with a sustainable future, then everyone can go play, you know? The rest is strategy. I actually have a question for you on that. So uh, um, you, say, you say strategy, but I think it's also culture. And the, the thing that comes to mind is this conversation I had with the a CMO a few years ago where he said, oh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, uh, a lobbyist came to me and told me about, uh, you know, plastic and how it was going to be a big problem. And and basically, can you help me kind of drum up the right level of uh, concern for what I should focus on now? And I just left that meeting thinking, Honestly, the, the issue here is not the information you're receiving, it's it's your mindset. Because your mindset here is, you know, what can I do to get away with it rather than thinking about how do I constantly make things better? And and it's it's a, it's, a, it's also a cultural shift. I totally agree. And one thing I didn't, I took out of my slides, I still ended up having too many. I had to <laughs> skip through some of the end. Some really important ones, unfortunately, but uh, people have the slides. But one thing on that slide where I talk about objectives, parameters, and strategy is governance. And So I mentioned that that's the basis of governance. You know, what is your objective and your parameters? And um, overseeing that you've met your objectives within your parameters and then being accountable for that. But what I usually also say is that that is the fundamental of culture because the what you need so culture is worldviews in other words what you think is truly valuable to protect and enhance and how you think the world works and usually that's at a subconscious level and then over time those sort of assumptions get manifested in decisions in real time um, that end up in cultural hardware and cultural software so that's how you lock in the routinized way of approaching problems and dealing with things that you're talking really importantly about there governance sort of is, is the most powerful tool for embedding those worldviews. Because once you say this is our objective, these are our parameters, that is a huge expression of what you think is valuable in the world to protect and enhance and, and how the world works. That's, that's so cool. And then, of course, you, you, the governance system operationalizes that through KPIs, incentive structures, incentive structures, and people who work within organizations that have that structuring around how they make decisions Yes, they're doing that in a dynamic context, but over time, that will become the way of doing things. So I, I totally agree, and I think we can't separate this culture from those three logics I presented, you know, which is your objectives and your parameters. If they are make as much money as possible and really only count the stocks and flows of financial capital, then we're not going to get anything else out of the system than a strategic response that says, how can I protect my short-term financial self-interest? And we shouldn't expect anything more, really, you know? So this is where then, if, you, if we accept that, then the next question is, how do we change the governance system? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I think the point, uh, you know, just talking about culture and, as, as well and like bringing in the geopolitical view, which is, um, you know, next year is going to be such an important year. Like says 70 to 80 percent of the globe has elections next oh year. Oh my gosh, I'm, I didn't know that. Wow. I am genuinely, I am genuinely. I'm a little concerned for a little bit scared right and scared. Mm, yeah. of, I'm a little bit scared of next year. It's going to be busier for us because we do a lot of political work um, from a, a polling kind of policy mm. perspective. So it's going to be a busy, busy old 2024 for sure. But I really, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see where we go from there, because all the trends seem to 
show division rather than collaboration. And somewhere in there is still the little girl who was like really excited about the Montreal Protocol. Mm -hmm. I was like, how on earth did the entire world come together and weave the story? I grew up in India and even I knew this like really compelling story about, you know, deodorant use because it was so accessible to me. And I wish... You know, I wish we could find the unlock in the storytelling mm. that we can really get down to a granular, like, micro as well as macro level. And what? how do we kind of build the storytelling around this? It's a really important point. It's one that I'm really trying to, to dig into. So me presenting today, and I present that in one form or another routinely, because I genuinely think if we don't grasp what I presented today en masse... I mean, I'm talking somebody sat in a bar in Ghana, you know, someone in a council house in Peru. If that, if that vision of where we've gone wrong and where we need to go isn't in the decision making, then I don't think we're going to get there because I think it's going to get worse before it gets better on a political front because the fear, we know ultimately there are two emotions, fear and love. Purpose is an expression of love. Because love is about being in service of the good of the other. So this is where meaning, purpose, purposefulness comes in and you get this beautiful alignment. Fear is the direct opposite of love. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, Yoda also talks about this. <laughs> but, but, these are, but it's really important, you know, I think that we understand that, that, that the ability for people to utilize fear at this moment in time, and it's going to get worse, to say, look, you need to protect what it is that you know the devil you know, and, you, and, and follow me because I have these beautiful simplistic answers that I'm happy to pretend are true just to retain power. I think that's going to get worse and worse as people struggle. But the only way, I feel, the only way that we have a chance of moving out of that is to have a very clear, coherent version of something that people are willing to take that leap of faith, move away from that fear-based system into a place of love in other words, and I do equate that, a purpose-driven organization, a meaningful, you know, well-being economy, these are, this is a love-based <laughs> uh, market economy, but we need people, people are not going to cross that divide unless they feel, and this is why I say we have enough energy and we have enough solutions, we don't have clarity, unity, and confidence, and those things that are interconnected, if we're not clear about what we're going for, if we, if we, then we can't come together around it. And if we don't do that, we don't have the confidence to make this leap. Yeah. May, I, may I add a fourth dimension yes. to that? Like the, the stories, to be honest, because as, as you so beautifully kind of articulated, the stories we're telling ourselves now are the stories that make us think that we've, you know, done enough for now and then allow us to go back into our mm. shells and like put our heads back in the sand. And I mm. think we need we need better stories that 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 have the nuance that tell a fuller picture but we need to tell it effectively and simply to people and i would love to kind of you know work on that because that is a that is a kind of confluence of strategy culture storytelling and like as you said to bring it down to the simplest level and find what it is that people really care about because I, I know from experience that like you know talking about destruction is like meh, 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 shut down 
uh, and but like talking the way you are about love and showing the good life is a way of leaning forward but it needs to have that kernel you, you, of fear you, in you, there you have the to, tension yeah. has to be there in order Absolutely. for it to be interesting and then what is the driving force from that tension because you've caught my attention now what are you going to do with it but I, I have an uh, interesting well interesting question you can determine if it's interesting or not but what do you think are brands who are doing it well and who are progressing forward in the ways that we need to move forward what's an example or a tangible example that you have seen happen you're like that's what we need to do that's what's going to pull society in terms forward. of providing that motivational storytelling so because it's a whole system change we need lots of and this is this is what i was going to say we need i totally agree we, but we need lots of different stories told in lots of different ways because it's horses for courses um and so if you, if you allow me to digress slightly for a moment, because it is, it's fundamental to, to my work at the moment, is the bit that I presented today, I think, is, is, that, is that core in the middle. And the work on building standards, and hopefully next year in ISO, is that sort of like that diamond in the middle, the bit that we all co-create that is geeky and sort of like boring, but precise and can hold us to account. And then around that the sort of how do we make that happen or how do we articulate the sort of stuff i said today in a way that makes sense to people requires multiple stories in multiple different levels and that's why i'm trying to sort of crowdsource a whole global collective of artists who can go out because that's what artists do they do storytelling right but it isn't just artists as you accurately say marketers are expert storytellers and they're given budgets to do that you know massive budgets to do that so I think once we're really once marketers have the clarity unity and confidence to know what it is that they're leading for and that's why the the, the approach to marketing that's purpose-driven is guide and co-create marketers need to have a clear sense of what they're guiding towards without dictating the solutions and then walk hand in hand with people so I think the storytelling the best storytelling will come from that. I mean, we could talk about like Patagonia and don't buy this jacket or, you know, the classic ones that sort of really gained attention and gave people the permission to think differently, act differently and normalize it. I mean, that's why it's such a good example. But I think those stories, there's no such thing as the right story to tell. There's the right understanding of the problem and we have to have that problem in the room, otherwise the solutions will be wrong. There's the intent to do something about it. And then there's the brilliant strategy that, that makes that work, given all the constraints, including margins you need to produce and all the rest. And if I think marketers are set up to do, they've got the skills to do that. I think they're lacking the clarity of where we're going and uh, the confidence to be able to then lean into that storytelling. Absolutely. And uh, for anybody who can hear the Daft Punk in the background, uh, it's a little bit of a party going on, but um, we'll try to wrap it it's up. It's nice. So. It's good background music, huh? You know, we can just drive over here if we want to. <laughs> um, but so your main takeaways today, if you can have any marketeer listening to this podcast really grasp one kernel of information, what would that be on both ends for you guys? Um, for me, it would be sort of, you know, think think long term for your for your own uh, for your own survival as well as the wider planet's survival and 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 just achieving sort of short term profit is not is not a goal that we can actually sustain right now you know what i think i think like the sustainability function is a bit like it in the 80s 
where suddenly people woke up and go like, oh, it's not just a box of nerds in a room. We actually need to integrate the whole of IT infrastructure and the systems into our into our boards and into how we do all of our business because this is how it we operate. So it needs to kind of come into that top decision making as a, a, a part of your thinking uh, right at the top and for anything fundamental, any fundamental decision making because without it, um, you are going to fail in the long term. So that would be my message to kind of, you need to pull it into the core of your command center of your uh, organization. Yeah, of your nerve center, which is a good liaison <laughs> to Victoria over the years. So what would be your insight for everyone? Uh, well, drawing on the theme of this conference, it would be rethink. Rethink what you think you know, and then go back and rethink it again, and then go another level deeper and another, another level deeper until you reach the point that you, you've you got to the source of the Nile. And if you don't have 20 years to do that, then then that's what I'm trying to, to help with, is <laughs> a bit of a leapfrogging. And my, but my question is not that I have the answers, but to say, if not this, what, you know? And I, yeah, if we, if this isn't, the, if this isn't what we need to do, then tell us what it is. Um, and then the final thing would be get involved in creating the, uh, the ISO and purpose-driven organizations if that gets voted in, because that's the moment where we can put our money where our mouths are and we can co-create the future in very precise organizational decision-making terms. So, and that, everyone's invited to that party. <laughs> All right, well, it sounds like there's a party in the back and there's a party that we can be a part of. So thank you both for coming I like today. Victoria's party. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a party that's gonna last a long time if we do it right. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you both for being here today. It was lovely talking to you. Thank and you. And have a good time at the Congress. Us.